Hello, and welcome to the BDO Financial Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Bellio, and today we're talking about student loan debt. For many young adults, student loans are the first experience they have with serious debt. Let's face it, higher education is expensive. It's not unusual for a grad to leave college or university with tens of thousands of dollars in outstanding student loans. The prospect of repaying a debt load of that size can be daunting and scary, especially at a time when you're just starting out. Unfortunately, for a lot of Canadians, student loan debt payments are a fact of life for years, and sometimes decades after graduation. Today, we're going to shed some light on how student loan debt is affecting Canadians in their 20s, 30s, and even 40s. Our 2020 BDO Affordability Index revealed some concerning statistics, and we're also going to discuss money management strategies and debt solutions that will help alleviate the burden of student loans for younger and older grads. I'm happy to have our guest, Elon Kibble, BDO Licensed Insolvency Trustee. Elon works in BDO's Toronto and Mississauga offices. Elon and the BDO Debt Solutions professionals in the GTA, along with BDO teams and communities across Canada, help Canadians find the best solution to their debt problems. Welcome, Elon. Let's jump right in. Let's start by talking a little bit about the general state of student loan debt right now in Canada. So based on uh, Statistics Canada information, the average student loan debt is approximately about $28,000 in Canada. Um, We're finding that there are a lot of grads between the ages of 30, in the the 30s and 40s, based on a survey we did back as BDI in 2017, uh, that are still paying off their student loan debt. So it's a number of years post their education and they're still struggling with the debt. There, there were a lot of things that came out of that uh, when we interviewed the people saying they wish they had made certain financial sacrifices in not being in this debt and they wouldn't have had to track this for the 10 years through their life. Um, also talk about planning ahead, so part-time jobs, summer jobs, certain things like that to help them in dealing with that debt. Um, for Canadians between the ages of 30s or in their 30s and 40s, um, the student loan debts are adding to their financial stress. So it's affecting milestones. Uh, people are delaying having children, uh, struggling obviously to buy a home. Pri- house prices are up, but they've got this additional debt sitting there. And then uh, I suppose saving for retirement, people are pushing that retirement goal further and further down you the road. You just gave a dialogue of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And that's a, stick, a thing we, we've seen from everybody, right? So it's, it's just happening that it's getting worse and worse. COVID 19s kicked in, um, people, reduction of income, a lot of people have lost their jobs. The fear is, are people going to get these jobs back? Uh, there's doubt that that's going to happen, or not as many are going to come back. So there's a lot of um, uncertainty out there. Uh, we've just recently done a, a affordability index, it's called the BD Affordability Index 2020. And we're finding that Gen Zs, millennials, they're struggling to repay the student loan mm-hmm. debt. Um, nearly 40% of people between 18 to 24 years old and a quarter of the 25 to 34 year olds got to sort of paying off student loan debts as their most significant financial challenge, which is, is very interesting today. Well, as you mentioned, Ilan, Canadians in their 20s and 30s and even 40s have been struggling financially for years. And now, like all of us, they're faced with COVID-19, as you mentioned just a moment ago, and the financial crisis. How has the pandemic affected these demographics and likely made it more difficult to keep up with their student loan debt? 
So, yeah, uh, what we find in the one quarter of the 18 to 34 year olds have overwhelming debt due to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Um, there's, a, a, there's not a lot of job availability, given the fact that uh, the, the restaurants and bars and all that are closed. So a lot of people have less uh, disposable income or income at all to service student loan debts and their um, regular debts with credit card companies. Um, one third of the 18 to 34 year olds have put off paying credit card debt because they can't afford it. And that's significant. It's It's been helpful that the banks have delayed the payment. I think people need to be very conscious and wary that it's a delay. It's not writing off your yes. payment. So it's eventually going to come back and um, people are going to have to deal with that. So they haven't forgotten about the debt, but they're just giving people time, they're, they're, they're being uh, nice to people for the time being individuals in uh, not demanding those payment. Um, the the COVID-19 hardships, uh, as say we said, the income challenges, uh, you've got your rent, people can't afford paying rent. So they've got a lot of these stresses that are causing um, the uncertainty and very stressful uh, situations. Uh, interesting that um, four in 10 Generation Z, so there's people between 18 to 24 year old, have experienced layoffs. And we've seen that that's the, the, a lot of these individuals are supplementing the incomes with uh, bar work, restaurant work, servers. They can't do that, especially uh, we a lot of the regions are going to phase twos where these um, these lockdowns are happening. So it's getting tougher and tougher. And who knows how long this can go on for and how long we can afford it to go sure, on for. Sure. So that's becoming a thing. Um, savings and debt challenges are real. They're affecting everybody. It's not uh, a single person. It's basically right across the nation. And um, people aren't able to, as say, enjoy the day-to-day -day things which they can't mm -hmm. afford to. And when you get into the older generation X's, sort of people in my age group range, uh, they're saving less. And honestly, looking at the inability to save for um, future uh, retirement, uh, I think uh, retirement for a lot of people are way delayed. Mm -hmm or they believe it may never happen. Agreed. What credit advice would you give to younger Canadians, especially recent grads who are leaving school with 20 or even 25,000 of student loan debt? What credit card strategies should new grads adopt to avoid debt problems down the road? So um, i got two young kids that are uh, sort of in grade 12 now planning their future. And uh, we talk about this pretty frequently. And I say, you're going to go to these campuses when we back in the campuses and you're going to have all these credit card companies coming out and throwing, hey, take a credit card, low interest rates. Um, yep. <laughs> I tell them that credit cards should be used as a replacement for cash and not debt. Okay. So if you can... Go put something on a credit card. You don't have the cash in your pocket there. And then you know you can go home and within a couple of days actually pay off that balance. Um, these credit cards come with very high interest yes. rates. You're talking an average of 19%, some as high as 28%. And then when you factor in the um, compounding interest on these credit cards, not a lot of people are familiar with what that compounding interest really means and what it does. 
just look at it as interest upon interest mm -hmm. and it accumulates pretty quickly uh, when you're not paying your debts off at the end of every Especially month. Especially if you're parents you're showing up on these campuses and your parents didn't sit down with you while you were in your teens or as a child and talk to you about money this is your first time so you get out there you have no idea what compound interest is yeah and the common question we get from a lot of people we meet on initial free consultations is they never taught me this at school no one told me what this meant i got a credit card and i went out and i exactly. used it and Unfortunately, uh, the old thing is nothing's for free, right? So eventually you've got to pay that back. Um, credit cards, we should never, ever be using them as a replacement for mm -hmm. income. So you don't use a credit card because you couldn't afford the thing and therefore you're gonna, you haven't got the income, so you're going to use the credit card. It's eventually going to catch up with you. Um, I always use the comment I always say to people, um, when you've got the credit card debt and you can't afford to pay it, you, if you're drowning in two foot of water, you can drown in 20 foot of water. So no matter what the debt is, you're always mm -hmm. drowning. So you've got to be conscious of dealing with these things. Um, as mentioned, if you put something in your credit card, know that you can go and pay it off within that month. Uh, we all need credit cards to help us build credit for the future, especially as you're younger, you eventually want to buy a motor vehicle. You want to buy a home. Those are things that uh, we're hoping we can do, but when you use this credit card incorrectly or use debt incorrectly, it impacts your credit. Yes. Too, many, too many credit cards. Everyone thinks hey, the more credit cards I get, the better my credit score would be. Not true. They're looking at different factors. They're looking at how much income do you make to support all that debt that you have access to? How much debt do you have and how close are you to the debt limits that they've given you? So. All these things going to factor into good credit, bad credit, and what you're able to afford down the line. But you do need the credit cards to be able to buy these bigger item purchases. So it's all about being smart with those credit cards. One or two credit cards, uh, the one in the main one, the other one in emergency, are all good things to have. So in other words, don't avoid credit cards altogether because you do need to have some sort of credit history. Yeah, the credit bureaus look at uh, people's credit history. And if you've never had credit, you're not on the radar screen. They don't know who you are. So they're never going to give you a credit mm -hmm. score. Um, they want you to pay your credit back regularly to help you maintain a good credit score. If you delay your credit per, uh, payments over a period of time, that obviously impacts your credit. So very key and important to be diligent with this if you're going to use credit and use it wisely. Someone once said to me, um, your credit history or your credit report is kind of like going for a job. You need a resume to get the job. So your credit history Correct. is your resume. And I always thought, you know, that's a really good way at looking at it. Yeah, it's, it's really the only way companies can tell and reduce their risk. You got to understand it's all about reducing their risk. If they lend you money, can they make money and can they reduce the risk that you're not going to always default on those loans? So that credit score is going to give them that comfort that you're able to deal with that. So a lot of people are living on a reduced income because of COVID-19 right now. Uh, now that the government's student loan deferral program has ended, what advice do you have for people who are having difficulty keeping up with their student loan payments? So the old... Um 
thing is budgeting budgeting and tracking your spending so i say to people it's great to set up a budget which is most probably the easiest step it's now tracking that budget actual spending what are you spending your money on and then when you look at that is in these tough times where you may not have that disposable income the debts have accumulated the compound interest built up you've got to look at start juggling and figuring out where can you cut back on certain expenses um they're non-essential expenses do you need five cups of coffee a day or could you make three mm -hmm. at home um you basically look at earning additional income if that's possible we know it's a lot more difficult right now given the COVID-19 not many things are open it may mean moving back in with your family to reduce some income finding a roommate to share living expenses certain things like that are definitely uh, what you can do on your own to help you deal with this and I think it's going to give you a good understanding and set up for the future on where you're really spending your money and what you want your future to look like. Um, the other options come in are what we call debt consolidations. Okay. So you could do your budget, you've gone through everything, you felt you've cut out everything you can, you've got to be critical when you do that, but you may still get to the point where you say, I just can't afford these high 25, 28% interest credit cards. Then it's looking at debt consolidation. So Basically, what a debt consolidation is, you approach uh, your bank, financial institution, typically a traditional bank or a credit union, and you apply for a single loan in order to consolidate your debts. Now, it's generally easier doing it when you've got fewer debts. You don't want to be, you, it's tough to do it when you've got uh, 10, 15 creditors you owe money to, when you've got five, six, seven creditors, easier to consolidate. Um, you get a single loan, generally at a lower interest rate, and it becomes hopefully manageable that you've reduced the credit card debts per se, keep your student loan separately. I'll talk a little bit about if you want to consolidate with the student loan, there are pros and cons to doing that, but that's generally what your loan consolidation is um, doing. As I said, there's generally the banks, which I would advise people if they're gonna do it, look at the banks. There are some secondary lenders out there. You got to just be very careful and read the fine print. Uh, but there are multiple uh, groups that will do these loan consolidations. Um, when is this a good solution? As I say, typically uh, when you have done your budget and you basically have done the math saying, if I reduce this interest, I reduce my monthly payment, I can still manage my debts, manage my student loans manage what other issues I have. Um, be fully aware that not everybody's gonna qualify, okay. right? Um, they look at multiple criteria, they look at your income potential, the amount of debt you have, and your ability to pay it back. So not everybody qualifies, but it doesn't hurt asking. Yes. Okay. Um, credit history is gonna play into this. Do you need a co-signer? Do you uh, have a good credit history, a bad credit history? Generally, what you see when you pull your credit bureau reports is not the same as what the banks calculate. So there's always going to be a little bit of a discrepancy, but they're generally pretty, they're a good guideline. So um, you need to make sure that you, you have the ability, and they'll let you know, obviously, because if they say you're not approved, you don't have the ability to consolidate mm -hmm. your debts.
Um, I mentioned the pros and cons of consolidating your traditional debt and including student loans okay. in that. So when bringing student loans, you got to understand student loans are a government program. Yes. So governments may tend to be a lot more lenient or um, provide a, 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 a good ear to listen to and work with you. And if you need to extend that payment, you need to spread your student loan payment out over a longer period of time. So in those cases, you need to weigh up those options and it may not be a great idea to consolidate your loan. Because banks are not going to be it's... as lenient per se. Yeah, banks are businesses. They, they've they got shareholders to report <laughs> to. They need to recover their money. So once, you've give, once they've given you all this money, they want you to yes. pay it back. And um, they will be open to a repayment arrangements, but at some point where they feel you've got too much it, they keep running credit bureaus on people. So they know where you're at within your income ratios, your debt ratios. The government doesn't do okay. that. So they will be a little bit more, if things start getting uh, tighter, they feel that you can't pay it back, there's gonna be a lot more pressure coming from these credit cards and loan consolidations then there would be student loans. So you got to weigh up those options. Do you keep the student loan separate, deal with your loan consolidation and pay that off at a lower monthly payment and then speak to the government to see if you can extend the payment term of your loan. And there are other programs that we're going to talk about a little later where the government can help you with your student loan debt. Okay. Um, so what about those people who just can't keep up with student loan payments? Is there a formal solution like a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy, a viable option for them? Yeah, so um, consumer proposal and bankruptcies are definitely um, uh, viable options, which is uh, what BDO offers as licensed insolvency trustees, is sitting down with individuals. It's a free initial consultation. Um, as I mentioned, we're federally licensed by the government to help people dealing with not just student loan debts, all debts, government debts, tax debts, student loan debts, credit card debts. And we basically go through a financial snapshot of your life, of what you're, where you're at, debts, assets, income. Um, and it's a, really a fact-finding mission. There's no obligation for the individual. And based on that, we, we run through what your options are. And we will go through and say, based on your circumstance, one of the other options we spoke about, the loan, uh, the debt consolidation may be the best option for you. There may be, we may guide you into the government repayment assistance program, which helps people with student loan debt. And what are those? If, Do you, sorry to interrupt, but what are those? Like, what are the basics of the assistance programs? So the government assistance program allows individuals to apply to the government in order to um reduce their payments. You've got to qualify uh, based on income levels, but it's really a program where they're giving, as I say, assistance to individuals who are struggling. It's really a program that goes over a long period of time, but it runs in six-month chunks. Okay. So every six months, you need to reapply because I want to see that you qualify. Your income's down below a threshold minimum. Um, they have... Um, given that ability for where the government will 
help you with paying part of the debt if you meet the criteria and your income is below a certain percentage of what they require you to do in order to pay back that debt. Um, they've also offered for students grant extensions. Okay. So they've pushed out another year. Um, they've suspended certain reporting of income for these payments. So there are a number of programs which, as I say, you have to contact your local government or the federal government to see if you qualify for these programs. So that would be a definite option when we sit down with individuals and see if they've explored those options. So once you've sat down and reviewed the government assistance programs that may or may not be available to someone, when would you then look at a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy? So you've looked at, we've gone through everything. We looked at the other options aren't going to fit into your budget. You can't make it work. So that's when we would look at the consumer proposal and bankruptcy and based on people's uh, circumstances, we would see what makes sense once again on their financial position. So um, the bankruptcies and proposals, if you look at the, the two of them, they're somewhat similar. Credit rating has a very similar time frame impact to individuals. One, and there's no definitive answer. One would say the bankruptcy on your record for roughly six years, one say seven years. The proposals on your record for, there's different thoughts, six years to eight years at a maximum. So they have a similar impact um, on the credit rating, uh, but it's definitely a shorter impact when you're struggling with debt than continue doing what you're doing. Um, I always point out to the people, the individuals that I'm meeting with, the banks did us a favor a few years ago and you look in your credit card statement, they added a little block basically saying, if you keep doing what you're doing, it's going to take you 99 years and five months to pay yeah. this off. And I always say to them, they can guarantee I'm going to live for a 19, another 99 years. Okay, I'll keep paying them. But other than that, this is generally the quickest way to start rebuilding your credit, either a bankruptcy or a proposal. I'm so glad you touched upon that because in... I, as you know, I do a lot of the social for our, our firm and I see that all the time. I see people commenting going, don't do a bankruptcy, don't do consumer proposal, it'll ruin your credit. So I'm glad you touched upon that. Yeah, and as, as I said earlier is the credit bureaus do a report and they've got their credit score and how the credits are reported. And everyone comes into my office and says, I've got a perfect credit score, I'm sitting at 690, I pay it monthly, it's all good. And I say, that's great. If you can walk into a bank today and they'll give you a loan, then your credit score is good. Mm -hmm. But if you can't get that loan, that credit score means nothing. Yep. So the banks do different calculations when they look at these things and they look at multiple factors rather than just your credit score. So you've got to be conscious of that. So the, the, the proposal on bankruptcies, even with people with where it says great credit score, they can't get the loans, they can't do anything, and they're still, as I said before, drowning, right? Two foot of water, 20 foot of water, you're drowning no matter which way you look at it. Mm -hmm. So the proposal offers what we call a settlement to your creditors. You say to your creditor, I owe you X amount of dollars, but I cannot afford to pay it back. Therefore, I wish to pay you a lower amount based on my personal circumstances, my assets, my income, and we put it to the creditors. We help you draw up this uh, document. We go, go to the creditors and they come back yes or no. And then if they say yes, you're into the proposal. In certain circumstances where people have no assets, no very low income, a proposal may not make sense. And that's the what we call the, 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 the last resort is the bankruptcy. So you basically 
putting your creditors on notice that you can't—you'll never be able to afford to pay them back, and therefore you unfortunately have to file a bankruptcy and it eliminates your debt, so you can be in the process from anywhere from nine months to thirty-six months, or based on circumstances. And but it gives you the clean start. It gives you a fresh. You, I, I say to people, you're hitting that reset button. It's not. People look at it as, oh, my life's over. It's the worst thing I can do. And I say, no, you're hitting a reset button. You're getting a second chance. And that's the purpose of the act, is to give the honest, unfortunate debtors a second chance in rebuilding their lives. Now, what about people who say, like, I can't afford to file for bankruptcy or I can't afford to a consumer pay proposal. I can't afford to pay you, Elon. So if there is the true thing that they cannot afford to pay, there are bankruptcy assistance programs that are offered through the government. We put people on, uh, we generally work with people on a circumstance, on, on a case-by-case basis based on the circumstances. But I think when we really sit down and go through the um, the information with individuals and they start realizing that they were servicing five, $600 a month in debt and they were actually doing it, but it was still paycheck to paycheck when you... T- go down through the budget with them and say, well, if we eliminate that $600 a month payment, your payment may be two, $300. They sit back and say, okay, that's a completely different uh, perspective. And uh, they all, there's always options. I, I've never ever had anybody sit in my office and say, nothing we can do for you. So there are always options. And we, we, we hear that purpose of what we license to do is review all these options and take the people in the direction that makes sense for them. Um, so that's really, the, in a nutshell, the quick comparison on um, the bankruptcy proposal. We did speak a lot about early in the podcast that student loans came up. That's one of the debts that people read out there. Well, if you've got student loan debt, it never goes away. It won't go away. Um, and therefore, I'm not going to tell the trustee or the license of trustee about my student loan debt. People need to be aware that every debt you have gets included when we do a bankruptcy or a proposal. It's just whether it survives and lives on past the proposal bankruptcy is the big question. There are certain debts that will survive, and student loans is one of them, depending on when you finished studying. So date of last completion of study is very, very important I'm currently working with a client right now who indicated that he had student loan debt. He finished studying in 2012 and he filed a proposal with me in 2019. You do the maths, it's seven years. Mm-hmm. Said to him, are you sure? You better check this out. He has a number to call student loans. Find out the last date they have on record that you studied. Did that, but I don't know if you really got the date right. So <coughs> he filed his proposal and we get the proof of claim from student loans and says, we are filing a proof of claim. However, we retain the right for this debt to survive. Oh, no. So I called the individual. I said, this is what we have we've received from this. Is but I finished in 2012. We went backwards and forwards. We found out he finished in November of 2012. He filed in June of 2019. Oh. So he has five months off that time frame. So now he's going through, what do I do? Well, he can file a bankruptcy, which he doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. He can complete this proposal and file another proposal just to get rid of student loan debts. 
So there are options after the fact, but this is very key. Dates, times in what we do are very, very critical and important. And that's why you should be speaking to a licensed insolvency trustee who know these things, who can guide you and help you. Um, there are other debt advisory places out there may not know this, that are not legally qualified to know these things. So very important, don't be afraid to have those free initial consultations, open book and get everything. You'd rather know what could be come down the road than get hit by it like this unfortunate individual that I, I'm trying to navigate. And I've somewhat got over that with him. He understands it was partly a misunderstanding, a miscommunication from him getting the information, but it's a key thing and it could force him to have to do a second consumer proposal in five years time. Oh goodness. So earlier in the podcast, and this is not something we like normally talk about because while you're in school, um, you're really not thinking about how you're going to pay for this schooling that you're done. You're just like, you're in school and that's all you're concentrating on. And a lot of students or, um, parents of students don't think to sit down and have the conversation about what do we do with this money? So is there any advice that you would give to current students who have taken out student loans on how they can make the impact of a student loan less on them once they're done their schooling? So yeah, I think we started in the beginning saying that there are um, from our surveys that people are saying they wish it would be being a little bit more frugal um and not spent as much not just use the money for uh student loans is for the student loan and and living but live within your means live within what makes sense so that you're not regretting this uh um, later on in life uh, there was a quote i heard i can't remember or a statement i heard saying live like nobody else so when you're older you can live like nobody else right so live today where things are a little bit tougher um, you're still young, you can afford to live in a little bit more of a shoestring budget, um, weigh up your want versus your need, and be a little bit more frugal. So when you're older, and hopefully you're making decent money, you're not paying off student loan debt, you're enjoying what your, your fruits of your labor and your education. So there's definitely being a little bit more um, thrifty with your spending younger, and then hopefully when you're older, there's not this... Um, we don't have the repeat of the 30, 40 year olds still paying off student loan debt and saying they can't afford a car, they can't afford a house, and maybe not even sometimes put food on the table, right? So it's becomes, it's an important thing to be a little bit more um, frugal as you're younger when you can be. Well, thank you so much for your time, Elan. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. Perfect. Thank you. I want to once again thank our guest today, Elon Kibble, BDO License Insolvency Trustee, for talking to us about student loan debt, a subject that's weighing on the minds of students, grads, and parents in Canada. For more financial wellness podcasts and videos, along with debt management resources, tools, and expert advice, visit our website, debtsolutions.bdo.ca. And remember, we're here to help you turn the page on debt.